right now on Matter of Fact. Desperate to save a dying dialect. You can't have Cherokee culture without the language. Cherokee Nation is on a mission to teach the next generation as elders pass on. What would happen if your language dies? The culture would die. Yeah. Plus, delayed democracy for former felons, forced to pay fees and wait years to vote. One of the things we haven't talked about in your activism is a re-entry. We continued the punishment after people were locked up. Soledad sits down with award-winning singer-songwriter John Legend about his fight to give everyone access to the ballot box. And what started as an escape from violence in their neighborhood has now become an expression of art. It's like spreading love. Now, the band is attracting international attention, complete with an invite. Out of all of the collegiate bands in America and all of the wonderful high school bands, what makes you come to this little old community band? But will a roadblock stop them from making the trip? I'm Soledad O'Brien. Welcome to Matter of Fact. The words we use to communicate are constantly changing. Yet by the end of this century, some experts predict that more than 90% of the world's languages will be extinct or endangered. The United Nations warns that most of these languages are spoken by indigenous people around the world, including many in the U.S. The U.N. has declared the next 10 years as the international decade of indigenous languages. Recently, President Biden signed two bills into law that will support Native American language schools and programs. Our correspondent, Joey Chen, traveled to Tahlequah, Oklahoma, to hear the voices trying to preserve the past for the future. This is how a language dies, with the last keepers of its precious legacy. Each one of these graves could represent... The speakers we've lost, yeah. In two years, that's... It's a lot of loss. Yeah. COVID struck hard all across Indian country, but it was especially hard on vulnerable elders, their numbers dwindling even before the pandemic. This is it right here. It's that. Yep. This is my grandma. What was her name? Eda Scraper. Eda Scraper. Mm -hmm. Eda May. <laughs> when Eda May Scraper passed last year, her family lost a beloved matriarch. Her tribe lost one of the last first language speakers of Cherokee, and says her husband, Junior, one of the best. Was her Cherokee better yeah. than yours? Yeah, I, I, well, <laughs> I can speak Cherokee, but I can't read the language. She could do that. Mm, she could do that, yes. She and she taught, taught herself, herself too. Yeah. yeah, nobody taught her, she just picked it up. Yeah. It's never been easy to learn Cherokee, which didn't even have a written language until the 1800s. The government's Indian boarding schools punished children caught speaking native languages, and parents feared for their kids. Howard Payton is helping to lead the effort to save Cherokee. These are the people that have dealt with trauma after trauma after trauma. Their parents had dealt with trauma. Uh, their property was stolen. They were stolen in jail. So we're coming back in and saying uh, they're sacred. Now, facing the extinction of their language, the tribe has turned to their elders for help. Kristen Thomas was part of a team sent out to find and record every living first speaker. It's not just a book. 
This is the heart of who we are. This is, this really is our heartbeat. About 1,300 of an estimated 2,000 first speakers of Cherokee have signed, but many have since passed away, underscoring the urgency of the campaign. How seriously is your language in jeopardy? Every day. We have a bell that uh, sits outside the front of our language center, and it's wrong every time a first language speaker passes, and there are a few mornings that we don't hear the bell. Still, every morning, they also hear the sounds of hope. The $20 million Durban Feeling Language Center opened last fall, home to a K-8 immersion school and more than a dozen other programs aimed at reviving the language including the two-year-long Master Apprentice Program, a full-time, five-day-a-week commitment for adults to learn Cherokee and be paid to do it. Among the current learners, Deja Louie Kaylee Gonzalez and her friend Wanima Holcomb, whose family even lives on campus in its multi-generational Cherokee-speaking housing. The language hub came together faster than even its strongest proponents had dreamed. Wade Galaskewi, was an early advocate. Why do you need this? I believe we aren't Cherokee without our language. When I speak in Cherokee, I'm actually using the language of my ancestors and speaking their thoughts. So, so without the Cherokee language? I believe that anything we did culturally would just be an echo of who we are. You wouldn't really be Cherokee. I wouldn't be Cherokee. It's a lesson and a legacy Ida Mae passed on to her granddaughter. I definitely feel like I owe it to her. And just to, I just want her to see that I care. And that she'll help give voice to the future of Cherokee. For matter of fact, I'm Joey Chen in Welling, Oklahoma. Next on Matter of Fact, award-winning artist John Legend talks with Soledad about advocating for formerly incarcerated people trying to vote. We're all involved in this democracy, and we should all have a say in how it's run. How do we unlock the future for those who've served their time? And later, he had a goal of giving kids a chance to express themselves in a place safe from neighborhood violence. When we first started, we didn't have no locations. We didn't have not one bus. We didn't have not one instrument. Now this special marching band is a huge success and needs help making another big dream come true. You're watching Matter of Fact, America's number one nationally syndicated public affairs news magazine. The right to vote is central to our democracy, but there's a growing debate over the voting rights of former felons. Currently, more than four million Americans are barred from voting because of felony convictions. Since the start of the year, at least 14 states have introduced legislation to speed up the return of their voting rights. A Tennessee proposal would automatically restore voting rights when a sentence is completed. A Texas bill would allow people to vote once they're on parole or probation. New Mexico is looking to restore voting rights to former felons once they leave prison. These efforts are being championed by renowned singer-songwriter John Legend. It's a topic we discussed in a recent interview. 
I read that your, your mom had some interactions with the criminal justice um, system. Yes. How did that shape and frame how you started thinking about dealing with those issues as an adult? What happened to my mother specifically impacted us because she spiraled um, after her mother died and uh, had a drug addiction and uh, had some run-ins with the police and, and was in our jail system in our local community for a little bit. And what I learned from that is that uh, so many times we take people who are hurting, people who are depressed, people who are dealing with uh, addiction issues, and we treat them as criminals instead of as people who actually just need help. One of the things we haven't talked about in your activism is a re-entry. And of course it's challenging um, when you think about somebody who's been incarcerated. Well, for too long, we continued the punishment after people were locked up. We, we said, not only have you been locked up for this period of time, but when you come back to society, we're gonna make it hard for you to get a job, we're gonna make it hard for you to vote, we're gonna make it hard for you on every level to be a legitimate participant in the economy, in society, in uh, democracy. There are some states uh, that where they throw up obstacles to, I think, the already difficult task of re-entry for people who have been yes. incarcerated. Talk to me a little bit about what, what's happening in the state of Florida, because I know you've been very personally involved. Florida was one of the only states in America that had permanent uh, stripping of voting rights with a felony conviction. So what happened was um, this amazing organization led by Desmond Mead called the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition went out there and got Amendment 4 passed. 63% of the voters in Florida voted to restore voting rights to uh, folks who had been convicted of felonies and uh, had done their time already. However, the state legislature and Ron DeSantis decided if you have fees and fines, if, if, if uh, you have any money that you owe, you're still considered not having fulfilled your sentence. And so what that did was put hundreds of thousands of people back in the place where they were disenfranchised. And so we raised money to help pay off people's fees and fines for the ones that could actually figure out what they owed. Uh, but it has really uh, dampened the impact of what was a monumental uh, amendment to the state constitution. You can watch more of my conversation with John Legend at matteroffact.tv. Up next, a marching band in Florida is about more than the music. I want them to hear how beautiful this sound of the trumpet is. How these volunteers are making a difference for kids in the community. Arts education in public schools is not always accessible. The organization called Save the Music estimates that there are 7,000 schools without music programs, mostly in school districts that serve black, immigrant, and low-income student populations. But lack of access doesn't mean there isn't a desire to learn. That's how the Sounds of Success marching band came to be. The community band was started near West Palm Beach, Florida, to keep kids safe from the violence around them, and now has flourished. And that's thanks to the band leader who has made sacrifices to keep the music going. Our correspondent, Jessica Gomez, has more on this special band that's now been invited to perform in London. One, two, leave some space. 
band practice in a school storage shed in Riviera Beach, Florida. This is 10-year-old Marquel McClendon. He used to play baseball, but traded in his glove for a trumpet. Baseball was a lot of money, and my mom couldn't um, afford all the money, so she let me join the band. Ready, turn! Antoine Miller is the founder of the Sounds of Success Community Marching Band. Pretty much every child that comes in the program have never played before. We train them how to read music, we train them how to play their instruments. Dance and music teachers volunteer their time, and many of the instruments, like this old sousaphone, are donated. It's like 50 years old. <laughs> it's older than everyone in the band, so, but it works, you know, so we never turn down a donation because, you know, our ultimate goal is to get as many kids off the streets into our program. Good job, buddy. Miller, who played with the famed Marching 100 at Florida A&M University and became a music teacher, created SOS after the shooting death of a former student. Now 80 members strong, the band, with proceeds from fundraisers, takes its show on the road, performing, even competing. I never thought, like, I will have, like, a big crowd watching me. I didn't like to do none of this until our first performance, and ever since then, my confidence became up. When it comes to SOS, it's not what we do, it's how we do it. The kids have so much energy. It was that energy that prompted a special invitation, all the way from London, England. An offer to perform with the Royal Marine Band and youth bands from across the United Kingdom at the first annual London Band Week this summer. I didn't even reply back to it, I thought it was scam. Out of all of the collegiate bands in America and all of the wonderful high school bands, what makes you come to this little old community band? When we paint this picture of, 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 of where they come from and, and the obstacles and the challenges they face, there must be some sort of special source or secret formula that's getting pumped into the water down there because they're really quite good and, and they're entertaining to watch. But in a city where nearly 20% of the population live in poverty, most of the SOS parents can't afford the cost of the trip. We want to take 80 kids and 20 adults. PR professional Sandy Collier helping to get the word out. But with the deadline just a week away, the band has only been able to raise one third of the more than $300,000 needed. When I see these little kids run up to me and say, Miss Sandy, can I sit with you on the plane? What do I say to them? In a place where the rhythm of disappointment is nothing new, Antoine Miller says either way, the show must go on. I know if music saves me, it can save the next generation as well. Those like Marquel McClendon, his trumpet already helping him work through the loss of his dad. I want them to hear how beautiful this sound the trumpet is. It's like spreading love. Love, he says, that will play on, even if he doesn't get to London. I'm not going to be mad, though. I hope we still practice, and I hope we get invited again. In Riviera Beach, Florida, for Matter of Fact, I'm Jessica Gomez. Ahead on Matter of Fact. What do you think you've gotten out of this past week? The sky is the limit for the newest class of the United States Senate Youth Program. To stay up to date with Matter of Fact, 
Sign up for our newsletter at matteroffact.tv. This week, I found myself sitting in a room full of possibilities, a luncheon in the ballroom of the Mayflower Hotel filled with more than 100 high school students from all across our nation. Chosen through a competitive process and based on their interest in public service and leadership. My dream is to become the first elected turban senator. My dream job is to work in the U.S. Foreign Service as a diplomat on behalf of the U.S. State Department. The week-long experience gives delegates a close-up look at government. I had the honor of talking with the students about the role of journalists in our democracy, and I got to offer a little bit of career advice. A lot of my career, I like to call a leading with yes. I would volunteer for assignments all the time that were not necessarily part of my job description. And I found that leading with yes put you in rooms with interesting people. It also gave you the opportunity to build your resume. Of course, I took their questions. You spoke a lot about recovering from failure and learning lessons from failure. I was just wondering if you had any advice for you know, getting over failure in the temporary in a way that really exposes new opportunities for you. I think the key thing when you have failed is to say, what am I supposed to learn from this? Like literally, the minute it happens. And I asked them a few questions of my own. What do you think you've gotten out of this past week? Finding people that care just as much as I do and want to help their community just as much as I do. So it's incredible. It's the conversations. I came here to not just meet with all of the most inspiring role models in this nation and beyond, but to be inspired by fellow student leaders. I think bringing together these different facets of diversity really encourage us to listen to the other side and hear different stories and really understand that we might know our lives this one way, but in hearing different opinions, we can really challenge our own opinions as well. I think the United States Senate Youth Program is truly fostering uh, individuals who have the capability to create the change in the world. The program is funded by the Hearst Foundations, which operate separately from Hearst, which is the parent company of Matter of Fact. And each participating student receives a $10,000 college scholarship. Still ahead on Matter of Fact, the Lincoln Memorial is getting a major upgrade down below. Finally, the Lincoln Memorial is getting an upgrade with a new view. Construction begins this month to install glass walls to give visitors a view of the Undercroft. It's a big space filled with rows of tall concrete pillars. The Undercroft supports the memorial's weight and gives the illusion of sitting on the top of the hill. The new museum will include exhibits of historic moments like opera singer Marian Anderson performing on the memorial steps back in 1939 and the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivering his I Have a Dream speech. The museum, which has yet to be named, will cost nearly $69 million. The memorial will remain open during construction and it's scheduled to be finished by 2026, just in time for the 250th anniversary of our country's independence. That's it for this edition of Matter of Fact. I'm Soledad O'Brien, and I'll see you back here next week. Listen to Matter of Fact with Soledad O'Brien on your favorite podcast provider. Watch us during the week on FYI and YouTube.